Bowl's Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Ronald Jones or Keyshawn Vaughn? Cam Akers or Daryl Henderson? Do the veteran running backs like Damian Williams and Carrion Johnson actually have better draft values than the rookies who are trying to replace them. We're going to talk about our top five backfield battles entering 2020. Not going to talk about the Colts today. They'd probably be on the list, but we spent a lot of time talking about them. Uh, I'm Adam Azer. Welcome to the show. What's up, Jamie Eisenberg? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, What's up, Heath? How are you? Today, we're also going to teach you about the C results option on Twitter polls and why you should use it. Look, I look forward to hearing about that. And it's the second episode of the week. That means Ben Gretsch is here. We're super excited. What's Woo! up, Ben? There we go. There we go. Roll out the red carpet for the second episode. <laughs> all right. C results. What is that? What is that all about? When you're only doing polls with two options or three options, always make another option for C results because there's a percentage of the population. Now, on some polls, it'll only be one or two percent. On some polls, it might be up to 10 to 15 percent of people who want to see the results of that poll, but either don't know the answer or aren't sure about the answer. And so they will just pick something randomly so that they can see the results. But if they have the choice to click see results, they'll do that. And then the results you actually get will be more accurate. You think so? Why wouldn't they just, you know, answer with their heart and their gut and pick what they think? Because they don't know. They're just guessing. They're just throwing something We're out all there. They're just guessing. Poll. No. See results. Every, every time I do a poll that has see results on it, I get someone commenting, man, I wish everyone would put see results on the polls. Yeah, but that's like one person says that. Every and time I do a poll, same, I do polls. But it's the same time. person every time. It's at it's C not results on Twitter. All right. Once again, <laughs> just just take the, take this advice and just go implement it and make your life better. Other than the Chiefs, since Clyde Edwards either will be the first drafted in these backfield battles, which which backfield? And it could be one that's not on the list today. Today we're talking about Kansas City. In no particular order, the this will be the order actually: the Rams, the Bucks, the Lions, and the Bills. Um, any backfield though that you think is the most interesting uh, and could have the biggest, you know, fantasy impact. Uh, I'll start with Ben. What if it's not the Chiefs? Who is it? Could have uh, Colts. <laughs> you asked like three different questions. What what I think is the most interesting? Also, how what are could you, have ben? the most fantasy <laughs> impact? Like what what are my answers? Well, I was lumping them together, I guess. Um, so tell us that, and tell us the four most fun things you did over the weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, I went and visited my parents' house. Went on a boat. No, no. Uh, I think the Colts are uh, one of the one of the ones that definitely will have the biggest fantasy impact. I think that's a really good offensive line, and I think with Rivers coming there and how high he throws to the backs, that will be. Uh, an important one for fantasy players. I, there's obviously three options there, but um, somebody's going to be good in that backfield. Um, the ones that I want to like figure out the most, uh, Dolphins, I think, are a little bit interesting. 49ers are obviously going to be a good rushing attack. Uh, whether you know it's Mostert or Tevin Coleman, I think, it, or, it is a really interesting. And, and if Jarek McKinnon is healthy, I think is an interesting uh, discussion. I don't know. I mean, you you sent this uh, you know this topic out, or or you and Traeger for for top five back, running back backfields. I tried to rank them myself. I came up with twenty three that I don't really know for sure what the split's wow. going to be like. There's really only nine that I feel comfortable with. 
think I left you off the email, didn't I? When I was asking everybody for the <laughs> for their five backfields. Yeah, yeah I did. I, I didn't see any of those emails. Yeah, did, Very uh, easy move right there. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I did not. I guess at the time I didn't realize you were going to be on this show. So my bad. I tried to get consensus of which five we should talk about. It's not a true top five because again, like I was trying to mix in some ones we don't talk about quite as much. So, all right, let's let's get to that, and let's start with um, start with Kansas City. So here's the Twitter poll I did. Uh, let's get that going there. Okay. Who do you prefer at their current ADP? I used NFC average draft position for this. Clyde Edwards, Elair in round two or Damian Williams in round six and see results. See results got zero, zero votes. Um, Clyde Edwards, Elair got 46%. Damian Williams got 54%. So I was Damian Williams round six, which is way earlier than he goes in our drafts. I'm thinking like round eight. Maybe not, let's say eight for him. But still, I put round six, and he still got more votes than Clyde edwards Elair in round two. Jamie, I was surprised by that. What do you take away from that? Um, do you, just before you uh, I answer this, uh, with all of your polls, did the later value go first in everyone? Yeah, did, the, did the later value win in everyone? No. No. Um no, it was so I, I did five polls, one for each backfield. Huh? They were split two and two for the ones that actually had the values. And then for Tampa Bay, I just said, Who do you want, Ronald Jones or Keyshawn Vaughn? So no, they it was not the later value, actually. That was a good question okay. though. See where you were going with that. Uh I'm sorry, so what was your question? Uh what do you make of that? The fact that people would rather have as you know, this small group of people who voted, um would rather have Damian Williams in round six than Clyde Edwards Ziller in round two. I think that's probably fairly accurate. I think there are uh, a, a group of people, uh, myself included, that are very excited about Edwards Hilaire uh, that would draft him, that would overdraft him, uh, because I do think round two is a little bit of an overdraft. Um, and I mean, look, you know, the, the last time we saw Damian Williams play, I, I, I wrote the story. He, he should have been the Super Bowl MVP, you know, um, based on the way he performed against the 49ers. So he's coming off uh, a great finish. And value is value. And so if he's still going to remain the starter, as we talked about, you know, with the lack of an offseason for a rookie, um, it could be the starter and, and still the touch leader for maybe half the season. Um, so that's good value for, you know, the, the starting running back for the Chiefs. But I think talent's going to win out. I think Edward Solaire was drafted in the first round for a reason. And I think he's going to play more than Damian Williams sooner rather than later. So I would rather take the chance on that upside than wait to see if I get Damian Williams around six. Heath, break this down for me. How do you see it? I, you know, I don't think any of us know what the Chiefs' intentions are other than I expect Damian Williams is going to start week, week one. The, the biggest question may be, can Damian Williams stay healthy for 16 games? Now, he's not going to have like a feature role, even if he does. But I think it really hurts Clyde Edwards-Elair's chances of justifying a second-round price tag if Damian Williams doesn't suffer any sort of injury. Because I really have a hard time. Like that, that whole system is so good. If they give Damian Williams 12 to 15 touches in the first four weeks of the season, they're probably going to win all those games and he's probably going to do very well. And so I don't know that Clyde Edwards either is just going to like sit him down in the first month of the season. I did a Twitter poll like a couple of weeks ago with all the rookie running backs. Who do you expect to lead the team in touches the first four weeks of the season? And Edwards Elair was the closest. At like 48% of the people expected him to lead the Chiefs 
um, in touches, but none of the rookies were at 50%. And if you're not going to be the best running back on your own team, the first month of the season, it's, it's difficult. It's not impossible, but it's difficult to earn a, a second round price tag. Okay, Ben, I'll give you a word here. Um, then we'll talk about some other aspects of this. How do you see this backfield looking? And I don't really have a, a strong opinion. <laughs> I, I know that obviously there's going to be a ton of value in this backfield. And one of these guys is going to be, uh, even if they split it, I think they'll both be very productive. It's, you know, I look at, I look at running back situations a lot of times from the team level. I look at how many potential receptions and, and high value touches there will be in an offense. And we know that both of these guys, if they're playing enough, will catch passes and they'll score touchdowns. I mean, Damian Williams has scored a ton of touchdowns even while playing pretty much limited limited snaps throughout most of his time with the Chiefs. So he's a guy that could be very good, obviously. And and then I understand Jamie's, you know, excitement for Edward Solaire because if he's playing a bunch, this is a, a situation where Edward Solaire could be an absolute star. I did I did have a couple of numbers. I, I did a poll on this today and I don't think the results are right. I think the people are wrong, but I'll ask you guys because the Chiefs running backs last year combined averaged like twenty six point seven touches per game. If you just look at the leading rusher in each game or the leading touch getter in each game, the lead guy averaged 13.7. So basically the, the lead guy each week was getting about half of the touches. And I had asked, how many touches are you expecting for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? And like 70% of people said 15 or more. I I think it's like if you were set, if I was setting an over under, it would be closer to 13 than 15. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's fair too. And to start, I think and I, then look if he if he's great, then maybe he goes to fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, and obviously Damian Williams could get hurt. And I think the interesting thing is, do you guys? It's it's obvious that you know there's a path toward for Clyde edwards Zulaire to be great. And the thing is, you know, you look at last year and what they did, and they did split the carries, and it was pretty annoying, even when Damian Williams was healthy until week sixteen and seventeen, and and the playoffs really. But the three years before that. They really did not split the carries. Spencer Ware had big work, and then Kareem Hunt had big work as a rookie, and then in 11 games before getting suspended. So there's a very recent history of Andy Reid turning one running back loose. But, okay, if we think Clyde Edwards-Elair has like a lead upside, do we see a scenario where Damian Williams uh, could be 15 touches and basically first, second round value type of player? Does he have the yes. same upside that Clyde Edwards-Elair has? I don't know that he has the same upside, but I think it'd be 15 touches for sure. I, there's a chance Clyde edwards either gets to camp and there's something the Chiefs want him to do that he just does not do. Um, there's a chance that he's the one that gets hurt. So, yeah, I think there's absolutely top 15 upside for Williams still. Okay, so somebody convinced me why I should take Clyde edwards Elair in the second round instead of Damian Williams in the sixth round or later. Oh, it, I think the, the value is definitely in Damian Williams' favor based on where you can get him. And like you said, Adam, in our drafts, we've seen him go a little bit later. Um, I, I think the thing about it is, is that we said this time and again, uh, what did the teams tell us in the NFL draft? The, the Lions by taking DeAndre Swift, the Colts by taking Jonathan Taylor, the Chiefs clearly the most prominent by taking Edwards Hilaire in the first round, that they're either planning for the future, like the Ravens could be with J.K. Dobbins, or they're not thrilled with what they have right now. And maybe it's Williams not staying healthy for 16 games and they want to just insert what they consider to be the next Brian Westbrook and Andy Reid's offense, you know, like they've compared him to, or, you know, 
recent history, you know, the next Kareem Hunt in terms of a, taking a rookie and making him into a, a star. So I think, you know, the, the guys have said it best that we, we just, we don't know. Uh, but if you're just talking about value and if Damian Williams can stay healthy, round six is going to deliver pretty good value for a guy that if he's getting 13 touches, if the number's 26, as Heath has said, and they're splitting it down the middle, you know, 14, 12, 13, 13, 15, 11, however that's going to go. Um, you know, if it's in Damian Williams' favor by any stretch, then he's going to have probably ridiculous season for what those touches are based on what he has shown us. You know, I mean, he's not going to have, you know, uh, maybe the same upside like Edward Solaire would have if he gets the majority of touches, because I think that, you know, younger and uh, maybe a little bit more explosive at this point. But when Williams has been on the field, replacing Hunt in, in that 2018 season, uh, at times in, in 2019, obviously in the playoffs and, and toward the end of the year, you know, when LaShawn McCoy was put on the inactive list, he was he was special. You know, I mean, remember, you're, you're not really uh, convincing me. You're not selling me here. You're not selling me on CEH in round two. Well, I mean, again, it's, 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 it's a matter of what the Chiefs have told us and what uh, Damian Williams injury track record has been. So, OK, I'll buy into both right. those things uh, if that's my evidence of them not being thrilled with Damian Williams. They made him the first back off off the board. They they picked him as the only running back in round one, and and we know how valuable the role is. Jamie just noted when when Damian Williams came back from injury last year, he played week 16, 17, and then the three playoff games. He scored nine touchdowns in those five games, playing the vast majority of the snaps. Lashawn McCoy was was inactive for a lot of that, but he he was like a multiple TD guy almost every week down you know into the playoffs. It wasn't during fantasy time, so we don't really recall it as 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 uh, vividly as we, we do probably some of the performances that happen when we're paying more attention to the specific stats. But yeah, from week 16 through the Super Bowl, the student scored nine touchdowns in five games. He scored an incredible amount in, in late 2018. This role has so much value. And the Chiefs just went and drafted a running back in the first round and made him the first running back off the board. That's that's what the upside is. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty clear, I think. Uh-huh, yeah. It's just kind of funny that the argument for Clyde edwards Lair a lot of it is like, well, look how good Damian Williams was. And yeah. I get it. Like, it's not a criticism, but it's, see, there, we're going to talk about it. It's, it's look how today. good Damian Williams was. It's look how good Kareem Hunt was. It's look how yeah, good no, Brian Westbrook was. Look but, how good LaShawn McCoy was. But I was, we're going to talk about a lot of backfields today. And for maybe four of them, you might say, you're not you guys on the show, but you, the listeners might say, you know what? I just don't want to deal with them. This is not <laughs> that situation. Uh, we know, Every- we know the potential. This poll and all of your, because Jamie asked, like, was it just the lower guy that won all the polls? In terms of the value that you put in your Twitter, like, I voted for Damian Williams here, and I voted for the later guy in all four polls. Okay. All right, so let's go on to our second I would have one, no problem, though. If you're telling me round two, round six, I'll take both. Really? Round yes. six? Round six just yes. felt early for Damian Williams. Yeah, round six feels a little early for me on Williams, too, and I voted Clyde Edward Siller on this poll. Okay. Uh, hey, Scott Fishbowl mock draft tonight on Twitch, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, twitch.com slash FF today. So we're going to do it with the Scott Fishbowl settings, half PPR, half point for first down, tight end premium. And we're giving away spots in our Twitch listeners league with eight Twitch subscribers and four of our experts tune in to win. And yeah, please subscribe. Go to twitch.com slash FF today and follow along 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, we'll have a lot of fun. You can ask us questions. It's good stuff. Fantasy baseball today. Make sure you're listening to that podcast. We know baseball's back July 23rd. It's draft time. And right now they're doing the position previews. It's Frank Stample with Scott White and Chris Towers. I'm going to be back on after the position previews. Uh, they got Friday mailbags. I might be on for those. Um, so, 
Yeah, I'll tell you that I think Carlos Correa is currently the single best value in fantasy baseball, and I want him on all my teams. I can't wait for the season to start. Why didn't we draft him on the team we share together? I don't remember. Oh, we waited and waited and waited on shortstop, which is another thing you can do. You can do that pretty much at any hitter position. Uh, All right, let's see what the Rams Twitter poll looked like here. Who do you prefer at their current ADP? Cam Akers in round five or Daryl Henderson in round 11? I know Heath voted for Daryl Henderson. Jamie, Akers in round five or Henderson in round 11? Cam Akers. Ben? I took Akers as well. Heath, you're uh, on Henderson Island. I'm on Henderson Island, and I'm not sure that I really love... Um, like I'm not saying that I think Henderson's going to win the job. I've definitely projected acres for more touches. I think it's most likely that he leads the team in running back touches. Um, I just don't really love this situation. I don't think the offensive line is very good. Um, they have talked, uh, their offensive coordinator, Les needs talked about all three backs and, and Malcolm Brown's per- success percentage and short yardage and, what Daryl Henderson can do in the passing game. And I don't want to spend a fifth round pick on Cam Akers if he's not really the short yardage guy or the pass catching guy, because Ben Gretsch told me that that's a trap back. <laughs> he told me that too, actually. Uh, ben, but you still voted this for This guy doesn't Cam know Akers. what he's talking about. I don't know what he's telling you guys. Uh, by the way, Cam Akers currently leading the poll 52% to 48%. So very close. But Cam Akers in round five, 52%. Daryl Henderson around 11, 48%. Ben, why would you take Cam Akers six rounds earlier? Um, I, I like Henderson around 11 too. I just think Akers has the the potential, you know, league winning upside and round five isn't such a, a crazy price to pay. And, and especially when you look at the other backs that go in round five, there's just not a lot of peeling in that range. So I do find myself, you know, looking at Akers in that range, but I don't disagree with what he said. And I, and I also, you know, I was big on Daryl Henderson in some um, dynasty Startups. I took him in both of the startups I did pre NFL draft. I mean, I was excited for him this offseason until they drafted Acres. So I can see the the argument for Henderson still having a shot as well. Okay, Jamie. This backfield feels like the most wide open in the NFL, um, especially given what the upside is. I mean, you know, I think Todd Gurley is a special running back, but sometimes you know it's the system. As we just got finished talking about with Andy Reid and and the Chiefs and the Eagles, what he's done. Uh, with guys that he's coached and I'm going to, we're going to find out if, if this was a byproduct of Gurley being that good or is Sean McVay system that good because with a bad offensive line and Gurley on less than hundred uh, percent health, I'm going to assume um, he still scored 14 touchdowns. He didn't run very well, but you know, they gave Gurley the opportunity to score those 14 touchdowns. And he said, it could be Malcolm Brown. It could be Daryl Henderson. It could be Cam Akers, you know, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be 14 touchdowns, but if he's getting eight plus, then round five on top of what he does, hopefully with his total yards and, you know, catches, um, he's coming off a 30 catch season um, in 2019 at Florida state. So I just think that again, the Rams told us that they spent more on acres in the draft this year than they spent on Henderson the previous year. Henderson couldn't stay healthy. I know they said he's getting over the ankle injury that plagued him last year, but the fact that he's still not at 100%, at least that was the story uh, that, that that came out um, in May or early June, I forget when it was, that's a little discouraging. So um, is it going to be all three guys? I, I don't know. I just think that Akers has the chance to be 
the best of that trio. Um, he was one of my favorite backs going into the NFL draft. Um, I think it's a good destination for him to, to be with the Rams. And he's played behind a bad offensive line in Florida State now. So playing behind a bad offensive line in the NFL might not be the worst thing for him. And Todd Gurley, just so many touchdowns. Double-digit touchdowns in four of his five seasons with the Rams. It's 54 total touchdowns in three seasons under McVay. Yeah, it's crazy. 42 rushing and, and 12 receiving touchdowns for Gurley. So that's pretty good. Well, and why didn't you put Malcolm Brown in this poll? Malcolm Brown. Yeah, nobody, want, nobody wants him. Uh, is, is there a pass? I, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I agree with Heath. I think he might be the best value of the three. He you can know, lead them. I was going to, okay, because I was going to go with either Malcolm Brown or C results, and I couldn't decide what I wanted to do, so I just left them both you, out. You have four options. You could have done both, and done then both. it would have been an actually good poll. <laughs> I will just say, like, if you had to wager a large amount of money on who is going to lead the Rams and carries week one, I think that Malcolm Brown would be the right bet. Who are they playing? I don't know. Let's find out. They're playing like a team they're going to blow out. I'll I'll take uh, Cam Akers. Garbage time. One last thing I want to say on Akers, though. It, I, going into the draft, everyone thought the top backs were pretty clearly, and, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire wasn't even necessarily thought to be that high, but you know Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins, they still took Akers ahead of Dobbins, which I think – if you think, oh, you know, what if what if the Rams would have taken Dobbins? What would we think right now? Um, I think I think I'd like him a lot better. Yeah, I think people oh, yeah. would. But <laughs> if the Rams like Dakers that much, that tells you something because they're the ones that are going to decide who they're going to give touches to. And snap. That's true. Well, then I would just say that. I mean, it might be a long shot, but they took Van Jefferson fairly early. I mean, they took him in the second round, so he went earlier than people expected too. If you believe in the Rams evaluating a running back, maybe apply it to the wide receiver as well. Perhaps that's more of a dynasty thing. Um, maybe, maybe their only trip that they were allowed under the circumstances was to Florida. So they just did Florida <laughs> and Florida state and they were done. Yeah, I guess so. And uh, and they left out the worst school in Florida. So that's, tells you they something. were, yeah, well they couldn't get that far South. So, you know, uh, anyway, <laughs> this is another offense that's been first, second and 11th in scoring under Sean McVay, 10th, second and seventh in total yards. It's another offense where you might not want to just be like, not going to draft these guys because you might have a really good player there. All right, let's take a quick break here on fantasy football today. We got the Bucks, the Lions, and the Bills when we come back. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Twitter poll number three, and this one, as of 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Monday, yes, we're recording on Monday, has uh, the widest gap. So uh, who do you like? Who do you prefer in a half PPR league? Ronald Jones or Keyshawn Vaughn? Ronald Jones, 58% of the votes is your leader right now. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn, 42%. So that's kind of interesting. Who likes, does anybody on this podcast like Ronald Jones better than Keyshawn Vaughn? You do. Switch my allegiance. I do too. Yeah, I do too. I think it's really interesting that you picked these five uh Tough to tough to call backfields, and the biggest gap was fifty eight forty two. Yeah, I mean, it tells you that, that none of us really know much. Yeah, now most of them were ADP. This was not, but the, but actually in ADP on um, NFC, I'm pretty sure Vaughn and Jones were going back to back. So basically, this was an ADP question. Uh, you'd kind of have to choose between one or the other, or maybe you you'll draft both if you want. Would anybody want to draft both of them? Let's say we're talking round seven and eight in a twelve team league. Yes. Yes. If I do it probably in different leagues, and I probably will have, I, I I'll probably have exposure to both of these guys. But not on the same team. I don't know if I would do it on the same team. Okay. They were 15th. It'd be a unique, unique situation, but it's, I, the only thing that's hanging out there that makes me not feel comfortable about that combination is the Devontae Freeman thing. If it was, if Devontae Freeman would sign with someone else, um, I feel pretty okay about taking those two back-to-back in the 7th and 8th and thinking I had one really good running back. Uh, I was going to say they were 15th in rush attempts last year and 16th in rushing touchdowns. It was not that bad of a rushing offense and obviously you know, could get better. God, Peyton Barber was was a waste with 154 carries. Come on. Um, okay, but, but you say Devontae Freeman. Now let me draw a comparison to the Rams with the Bucs. Daria Gumbawale could be their third down guy. So these might be two trap backs here. Maybe splitting goal line work. I don't know. Um, Ronald Jones only got two carries inside the five last year. Daria Gumbawale had seven. Peyton Barber had like nine. Um, so, you know, where does the Gumbawale factor in? And does he kind of throw a wrench in this backfield for fantasy purposes? Well, I can tell you that Gumbawale's carries from like the one were almost all hurry up in two-minute drill situations where they had him in and they would hurry up to the line after a completion and run with him because it drove me absolutely nuts having Ronald Jones <laughs> in every league. When I was writing Stealing Signals, I remember this so vividly. They were they would just hurry up and give it to a Goomba Wallet. Okay. Drove me um, nuts. If he matters, then I would say that's really bad news for Keyshawn Vaughn. Okay, Jamie, what's your read on this? Who do you like better, Jones or Vaughn? I, I've switched to Jones. I, I think, you know, just looking at Bruce Arians' history, there's probably a better chance of Jones starting the year as the guy and, and seeing how long he keep the job. But um, the fact that they've said that Vaughn can step into Peyton Barber's role, he's going to be better in Peyton Barber's role. So, you know, that's something I think that, that will hurt Ronald Jones. He had a long, long touchdowns called back last year or not a lot, but he had several long touchdowns called back due to penalty. Um, Jones that, or Vaughn? Huh? Jones or Vaughn? Jones. Okay. Um, I didn't keep track of Vaughn's long. I thought maybe yeah, sometimes you find those stats, you know, um, but I think, you know, Jones, I have them basically back to back in my ranking. So the seven, eight round turn, um, if I were able to to do that and I needed a, a, a to fill a running back spot with two guys, that's the type of backfield that I think I'd want to do it with. And, you know, Miami might be another one um, just to see who has the chance to be the better of the two. And that's not too much of an investment in one backfield in that, at that spot. But 
Uh, would not surprise me if Vaughn's better, but it could be, and, and by no means am I making the same comparison, but it could be what Arians did with David Johnson, where it took to the end of the year and they finally let the maybe the more talented guy go. I don't know if Vaughn's more talented than Jones. I'm curious to find out. But um, I, I think Arians is going to lean, lean on the veteran guy early, um, and, and I think Jones is going to have an opportunity more so than, let's say, the other backfields that we've talked about with the veterans. Okay, so are you guys more enthusiastic about having a piece of the Rams backfield or the Bucks backfield? Rams. I'm sorry, Jamo. Um, I'd rather have Acres. Heath? I don't know that I can say that I'm more enthusiastic about any of these running backs. <laughs> not really feeling it, huh? I mean, that's not to say like I've drafted Jones and Vaughn in this, and I've drafted Henderson. So, but it's more of a okay. I need a running back, and that guy's there, so I take him. I I've not gotten particularly excited about either one. Ben, are you excited about Ronald Jones? I, I think Ronald Jones, before the Keyshawn Vaughn pick, and the biggest issue with the Vaughn pick is that we know he's a good pass blocker. We know Arians had such an issue with Ronald Jones pass blocking. I mean, there was that one game right after Jones had a big rushing game. The very next week, he ended up playing only a few snaps, and we found out after the fact he blew a pass blocking assignment, and Arians sat him down for the rest of the game. Um, Arians seemed to like just cut off his nose despite his face with Ronald Jones all year and kept giving Peyton Barber playing time because he hated how much he pass blocked, even though – this is my long-winded way of saying what Jones showed us as a runner last year was that he's good. Like we, we didn't see that in his rookie year. And the talk last off season was maybe Ronald Jones is just a huge bust and not very good. Um, he had kind of a lingering hamstring injury in his rookie season uh, was the youngest back in that class. We talked about all that stuff. He came back last year and was good running the ball when, when he, you know, got opportunities. And like Jamie said, also had some long runs called back, but still was a, a full yard per carry better than Barber on a similar workload in the same offense. Um, he wasn't, you know, amazing. But when you go back and you watch his film, like he, this guy was breaking tackles. He was carrying guys. He's a big physical back and he was good. And I think he can be very good in, in 2020. And I think he'll be continued to be an effective NFL player, you know, through his rookie contract. I, you know, and he's got two more years on it. So I don't think Vaughn's just going to come in from, from day one and, and take over this job. I think another thing is also they're going to be a better team. They're going to be playing with a lead. The offensive line got better. They added Tristan Wirfs in the draft. You know, so the Agumbawale point about the hurry-up situation, you know, the, there's going to be less pick sixes. <laughs> you know, the defense should be, you know, uh, much more competent. Brady's going to make them uh, a more efficient offense. So playing with a lead should play into Ronald Jones Maybe Vaughn, but more so than a Wally being on the field. Let's go to the Detroit Lions, who have not had a thousand yard rusher since Reggie Bush in 2013. They have not had a 700 yard rusher in five straight seasons. Yikes. Oof. Yeah, this is, and they lost like two of their best offensive linemen. This might be a stay away. I'm not sure. So let's go to the Twitter poll here. Uh, who do you prefer at their current ADP? DeAndre Swift in round five or Carry on Johnson in round nine? Carry on Johnson in round nine has 56% of the vote and DeAndre Swift has 44%. Um, who likes, uh, Jamie, I'll start with you. Who do you like better in this Detroit backfield? DeAndre Swift in the fifth or Carry on Johnson in the ninth? I like Swift better, but I would rather have Carry on Johnson here. You like a value better for Johnson? Yes. Okay. Uh, ben? Same. I like Karen Johnson's value a lot more. 
And I, I guess I don't even know if I like Swift more. I mean, I, I like Swift as a prospect, but I, I, I'm not ready to give up on Carrion Johnson. He was really good when he was healthy. He's not been able to stay healthy, but now he's going to be in a part-time role. I, I don't think he's bad. Heath? Uh, yeah, I like Johnson better at this value. I do have Swift just like one. I think I have him back to back. I do think Johnson's more likely to be the pass catching guy at the beginning of the year than Swift is. I hope that he can stay healthy finally. But I, I, the point I would make about like, I know we don't want to just talk about the Colts again, but one of the reasons we talk about the Colts and the Chiefs all the time is that if one guy wins one of those two battles, they might be a top 10 running back. Carry on Johnson could get hurt tomorrow and i'm not sure the lions are going to produce a top 15 running back well it's interesting because we kind of ranked him that way last year right i mean we loved carry on johnson going in the third round I, I feel like he was and i hate to say this but as a podcast i feel like he was like a consensus we love that pick third round take carry on johnson obviously we were wrong um What's changed? But like you said, they had a they had a much better offensive line going into last year, and Carryon Johnson had looked very good in his first year as a runner. Like there were reasons for oh, it. Oh yeah, but now that offensive line's not. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's. Just I, been I think a black it's a good hole. question of, about what's changed too, though, because I don't know how much has changed. He started last year, the first couple of games, and and C.J. Anderson was cutting into him a little bit, and then they got rid of C.J. Anderson. They turned over something like 75%, 77% of the snaps to Johnson for a couple of weeks. And then he got hurt and he was good for a couple of weeks. He, and yeah, he wound up like not having a great yards per carry for the, for the very short season that he had. But um, he was, he was like solid for a couple of weeks in there until uh, I'm pulling up his game log. So he, he, he kind of stunk. A, he, like, he really had one good game against the chiefs. He had he like didn't do anything with the opportunities. He scored some touchdowns, but I think we were just like, "Wow, Carryon Johnson's just not doing well." Yeah, like yeah, maybe that's true, right? He just wasn't, and he wasn't that involved in the passing game. Yeah, well, dude is still only twenty two. Actually, I guess he turns twenty three tomorrow. But this was a another really young player, second round pick a couple years ago. DeAndre Swift's a second round pick now. Yes, I I care that they just drafted DeAndre Swift this year, knowing what they have in Carryon Johnson, and, and that makes me like DeAndre Swift more. But, again, Matt Patricia comes from the Bill Belichick line. He might be wanting multiple backs. And both these guys have very similar draft capital invested in them. And this is another player that has two more years on his rookie contract, which matters to me, and, and similar to Ronald Jones and di- dissimilar from guys like Marlon Mack, who's, like, on his way out in Indianapolis. So I still think Kerryon Johnson's a decent value in the ninth round, if, especially if you're in, like, a zero RB format. I think he's going to get touches and play, and this is going to be kind of an even split. Jamie, should should – Carry on Johnson be going three rounds or maybe two and a half rounds later than Damian Williams. I, I feel like in our drafts they go pretty similarly. No, they should be closer, but this this is just one backfield. I, I don't think I've drafted either guy very often. And I um, you know, I think maybe Ben and I are a little bit similar in how we target the rookie running backs. Um, you know, for me with Edward Solaire, with him with Taylor, but you know, I think we're both pretty aggressive in how we draft these guys. Um I don't know about you, Ben, but I, I don't think I've taken DeAndre Swift at all, especially if he's going around five. Like, if I see Swift and Acres there, I always lean Acres, you know, just because I think there's a better offense. And um, even though Swift was a better prospect, I, I uh, so if, if the choice is carry on Johnson um, in the range that he's going, yes, he should be s- closer to Damian Williams because it is a similar setup, but it's not the same offense and there's not as much of a ceiling. So, um, you know, if, if you're telling me Williams in the sixth, 
and carry on in the ninth, I'd probably say if Williams is going in the sixth, maybe carry on's you know, late seven, early eight, but uh, I don't think they should be that close. No. Okay. And uh, one thing I'll play the role of Dave Richard. Cause I, I feel like he brings this up a lot. Carry on Johnson has an extensive injury history. He has just a lot of trouble staying healthy. That yeah, that, that's the other side of it. If you do want to invest in Swift, you are waiting out the carry-on injury. And when the carry-on injury comes, unfortunately it's happened in each of his two years in the NFL, then there's a chance he could be a top 20 back, you know, Swift. Um, I don't know if there's top 15 or top 10 upside just because of the offense. Um, Talent-wise, I mean, he's there with, you know, Edward Solaire and, and, and Taylor, you know, I mean, he was, you know, basically prospecting between those guys. In some cases, people had him ahead of Taylor. Um, but, you know, it's the same thing with J.K. Dobbins. If Mark Ingram goes down, Dobbins is going to be, you know, probably a monster. Um, you know, and, and I think if, if you're investing in Swift, that's what you're hoping for. But uh, if, if on does stay healthy and if the reduced touches and reduced workload helps him stay there, then it's going to be probably frustrating. All right, last one. Buffalo. They drafted Zach Moss in the third round. Um, in the final, let's see, six games of the regular season, Devin Singletary had the fourth most carries in the NFL. He had the fifth most rushing yards, and he did not score a rushing touchdown. <laughs> uh, he just you know, barely got in the end zone, scored four touchdowns, two on the ground, two uh, via the passing game in 12 games. But he had a really nice rookie season. He averaged 5.1 yards per carry. So now they draft Zach Moss. Final Twitter poll. Let's take a look. Uh, who do you prefer at their current ADP? Devin Singletary in round four or Zach Moss in round 10? And remember, Frank Gore had 166 carries in 16 games last year. So Singletary in round four, Moss in round 10. Right now it is Singletary 54%, Moss 46%. Singletary, uh, even six rounds earlier than Moss right now, is leading the poll. Ben, who do you like better at their ADP? Singletary in round four or Moss in round 10? I think I clicked on Singletary, but I don't really. This is the one that I don't really care. I, I think I've made my my takes on this backfield pretty clear that I I just don't really like the potential split in an offense that you know the quarterback's going to run a lot and therefore not throw to the running backs a lot and also take some of the goal line work. I think there's potential value here, and I think both of these guys are cheap enough that, um, especially Singletary, I've, I've picked in some spots, uh, not in the round, not in the round four range, but he can be had in the round six range sometimes, uh, depending where you're looking. Um, would, would you put the rookies ahead? I know you put Jonathan Taylor and Edwards Eler, but when you get to the Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins group, would you take them over Singletary? When I said, when I, when I said with Cam Akers, uh, I like him because there's no one ever available in that range the guy that was in my head was Devin Singletary. And I'm looking at my rings right now. I have Singletary one spot ahead of him. It's like, right. As soon as Singletary goes, that's when it's like, okay, it's Cam Akers now. Like that's when we're getting into the rest of these rookies, but I do have Singletary ahead of the rest of the rookies. Heath, who do you like better Singletary in the fourth or Moss in the 10th? I mostly agree with Ben that I don't want to draft either of these running backs. And like the thing with Singletary is he illustrates part of the problem with the ADP everywhere, except for our drafts. I think I have him as my number 25 running back. He's currently the 24th running back off the board by ADP, but we don't have 24 running backs going in the first 47 picks of our draft. Um, It's not so much that there's other running backs that I like more than Singletary. It's just that I'm drafting wide receivers or tight ends at that spot where he's going. So I, 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 everything Ben said, plus I think there's a, like a, 
30 to 40% chance that the Bills offense just regresses and isn't as good. Jamie, Singletary in the fourth or Moss in the 10th? I love Zach Moss in round 10. There, there's just, it, it's, it, it's, that's like a throwaway round, you know, when you start to get double digits. And if he becomes, if he just takes Frank Gore's work, he's younger, hopefully he's more explosive. You know, maybe they use him more in the passing game. They talked about that a little bit. I don't know if he profiles that so much. I, I, I don't think he does, but still, if they, if they force that. Uh, but if he's getting the goal line opportunities, the, the touches in the five, the touches in the 10 that Frank Gore had and, and had more than Singletary, then that's going to be the better player if it's a 50-50 split. So the six-round difference between those two and the investment essentially is the same in the NFL draft, what they did with Singletary, who I thought, you know, he's, he's getting a little bit of a bad rap for how he performed last year because Josh Allen scored so many touchdowns and he didn't get the work inside the five and the 10. Um, you know, I, I think he's a good player, but if it's a split situation and could be down the middle, like the Chiefs situation, you know, we were saying uh, 26 carries, let's say it's it's 13-13. However, the, the Bills split it up. Yes, Josh Allen is going to dominate the, the – or not dominate, but have the chance to steal all those, those – um, short yardage touchdowns but if if moss is 806 let's just say uh rushing 805 and then maybe does you know 200 yards in the passing game and, and maybe another score there for round 10 that's just great 800 rushing so, yards though i mean that's that's like almost 200 carries unless he's really efficient and you're talking like 180 carries or something like that. It would okay surprise- so 700 yards you know i mean i'm just i was just ballparking yeah. you know just Whatever the case may be, I don't know what you guys haven't projected for. You know, it could be six fifty and, and five. You know, I mean, for what you're getting in round ten, just to see. You know, it, we're, we're talking about draft. You don't have to start him if you take him in that spot. And if he's better than Singletary, then and and the best running back in Buffalo, and, and maybe by a, a large margin over Singletary, I I just don't understand why you would take Singletary that soon. Um, so I, for me, he's he's becoming a void, and Moss has become a target if I can get him in double digits. Dude, like Devin Singletary had a very good year. That that's the last thing I just want to say. Like, I agree. Why didn't? Yeah, why didn't, he looked great. Yeah, like, and, and he caught six passes in the playoff game. So, not to say that he's going to be a fifty catch guy, but maybe thirty. I, why Devin Singletary did not do anything to justify, you know, not being a big time ball carrier. I, I just wish they a would just round pick. What's that? Uh, well, we to a fourth round pick, no, but twenty fourth running back off the board, like you said, yes. Uh, yeah, um, I think this is more. It's a couple things. One, it's more just how many running backs are going that early. I think people have made a little mistake in recognizing correctly that there are very few great running backs, but their response to that was, "We're going to draft a lot of average to mediocre running backs much earlier than we should." Yeah. Ding, um, ding, ding, right. ding. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. So I'm yeah. glad you liked that. Um, but no, what, he, what do you, what do you guys anticipate? Cause what I, what I've seen is essentially like 14 running backs in the first two rounds. I can uh, see that. Yeah. I think it, that's, um, I think it's, yeah. you, you get into trouble after those top, you know, I don't know if it's all the way down to 14, but at least top 12, or 13. Yeah. Okay. 14. I'm looking at my list now or, or so, but then you get into trouble. And I think was Heath's point as well. Like then everyone just keeps drafting running backs. And like, I believe that draft should pivot hard at that point. And you should start drafting all these receivers that end up going in the fourth and the fifth and the sixth, because, you know, Leonard Fournette has already gone off the board instead of, you know, a legitimately good receiver. In, in some drafts who, you know, right. whoever that may be Cooper cup or Robert Woods or somebody, those guys should go ahead of Leonard Fournette every single draft, but they don't. Right. 
Uh, who do you guys like better late round, Daryl Henderson or Zach Moss? I think format matters. I think Henderson may have a little bit more upside in, in PPR. I'll take Henderson. Yeah. I have. I would take Moss because I just think he could be the best guy in, in Buffalo. I have Moss over Henderson, but I wanted to say Henderson. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. And what I was going to say about uh, about Singletary, it took me a while to get there, was that I, I feel like he has earned the opportunity with Buffalo. I don't know. You know, the third round pick in Moss isn't a huge investment either. So but, but I'm interested. You, are you are you saying that as if he's not going to be the guy to start the season? I'm saying like if he if he gets the role that I think he earned last year, when you just look at how good he was and what he did in the playoff game, and you know, Frank Gore was so bad near the goal line. I don't know why they didn't use Singletary there, and hopefully they will. I think that he could be worth a fourth round pick. And we keep saying fourth round. Well, I think he's worth a fifth round pick. I don't think it's like outlandish to take Singletary in the fourth round. I, I'm saying that Devin Singletary played well enough last year where it really wouldn't surprise me if Zach Moss had a very limited role and they just made Devin Singletary their running back. And even though I mean, he didn't they, catch a lot of passes, you know, which he probably won't, that he'd still be very valuable in fantasy. He very well could be. I just think fourth round for me is a little too soon. And there were some concerns about like whether he could handle like at his size could handle 300 touches in the NFL when he was coming out of college. Right. So the fact that he did suffer an injury last year and they kept him in a kind of a a tandem role and then they drafted somebody else. I think they they just maybe see him as more of a a running back by committee guy. And it could be, you know, the Goomba Wale, Malcolm Brown situation. TJ Yeldon may have a, a role that we don't really anticipate, but could still be their passing downs guy. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for participating in the Twitter polls. Appreciate that. I'm just upset that you ignored my Miami Dolphins suggestion. Yeah, we had some good suggestions and none from Ben. <laughs> Sorry. I had, <laughs> I had a um, another Twitter poll, Adam, that I would like to get everybody's response yeah, to. Go for it. The five top five rookie running backs, Clyde, Taylor, Aker, Swift, Dobbins, um, all being drafted in the first 65 picks. How many busts are there out of that group? Three. How are we defining busts? Um, how do you want to define it, Ben? I'll let you. Well, because I think sometimes we say, like, does their full season, end of season rank end up, you know, if, falling if, higher or lower than their draft spot? But I think a lot of those guys are going to be better when it matters late in the season. You know what I mean? Um, if Clyde Edwards Elaire is not a top 20 running back and he's drafted in the second round, I would say he was a bust. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say three, AK Dobbins, if he doesn't really contribute to your team, he's a bust. Yeah. Dobbins is a guy that you're hoping for basically Nick Chubb's rookie year when Carlos Hyde ended up getting traded. You know, I don't think Ingram's going to get traded, but he was barely getting, Chubb was barely getting used. And then all of a sudden, he was the lead back for a while and was very good. That's what you're hoping with Dobbins. So whether that happens or not is going to dictate whether he's a, he's a bust. He's just a, he's an upside pick through and through. All right. So let, let's answer the, the question. I I'd say three, Jamie, I think you said three, right? Yeah. I, I think it's Dobbins Swift. And then one of the three guys I actually like. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'll say two though. I don't, I don't, I think one of Dobbins or, you know, maybe even Swift winds up being fine. And, and probably one of the guys I like winds up not he, being very good. So Heath, Heath is going to say four, but he wants to say five. 
<laughs> um, I well, the reason I asked is because I will have four in my bus column. Oh. I thought that seems too high, but it's almost all running backs because that's all anybody's drafting in the first six rounds. <laughs> um, and so I have four in the bus column. I think the right answer is probably three, but as long as three of those four are, then it's fine. I don't understand why you would do it like this. You put zero to one, two to three, four more, and see results. You you wasted a perfectly good opportunity. Like you could have had zero to one, then two, then three, then four or more. You didn't have to put see results. See results is clogging this up. This is a bad use of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I one thing I will say is I, I would love I, I you know we're we're winding down the show, but I would love to jump back into the top backs that have been drafted in the last couple of years. Josh Jacobs, I don't think was a bust last year. Miles Sanders, I don't think was a bust last year. David Montgomery, maybe right, but those are guys that yeah. going into the year we didn't really feel super confident in their role, except I guess Jacobs. Um, and then I, I would like to go back even further, but I know obviously the 2020 class is really good. A lot more backs went in the top 60 picks, the top two rounds, than have in in several recent drafts and for a lot of years, I, I don't know the exact number, but um, there's a lot of good players in this draft and, and for good reason. And in the league thought, so they drafted them higher than they normally draft running backs. Um, so it would be interesting to go back and look, you know, Nick Chubb was fine as rookie year. I'm looking back the year before uh, Rashad Penny like, and Sonny Michelle suck. I can tell you, I mean, I have all this, you know, we, we get, we get good running backs every year. 2020 was actually, or 2019 was kind of a, a bad year. I mean, Josh Jacobs was 14th in non-PPR, 21st in PPR. Miles Sanders was 15th overall. But the year before, Barkley was RB2. Philip Lindsay was top 12. Nick Chubb was 15th in non and 18th in PPR. The year before that, Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara were top five. Leonard Fournette was top 10. Christian McCaffrey was 10th in PPR. So these rookie running back 2016... But- Ezekiel Elliott. Those yeah. good guys were not drafted in the first five rounds of fantasy drafts. And, yeah, Can you that, go back to last year, though? Yeah. Because how many rookie running backs do we really care about from that class? Four? Jacob, Sanders, Singletary, Montgomery? Care about yeah. now? Yeah. Even before the season last year? Um, yeah, based on ADP, those are the four that I remember going anywhere. You know, I would say by the end of the season, three of them were starting for you. Yeah, but the thing is, like, Miles Sanders paid off and, and probably won you a league or came close, but he was not worth a pick in the first five rounds. He was going in, like, the eighth round. Wait, what? He wasn't, I would ben. guess Miles Sanders you, was dropped in at yeah, least a third of Yeah, you cannot have a useless player for, like, 12 weeks or, or whatever it was, 10, 11 weeks. But I don't weeks. He had a couple of good games early. He, he was paid not off and won you not, a league or whatever, you but he wasn't didn't worth get a fifth-round pick? No, no, because... Fifth round picks are important. I mean, like you can't just waste a roster spot with a fifth round pick. If you're if you're just planning on a guy having a big finish, I don't think that's worth a top sixty pick, in my opinion. But he was still serviceable, though. He was not. I, I really don't. I think don't he even was. think he was a top five pick for what it's worth. But and, and actually, he was definitely serviceable. He was he, getting downfield receiving early in the and year. Nobody was starting him based games. on that, though. That was like fluky plays. He wasn't getting enough touches. He was not somebody you were starting. He was dropped. frustrated. I didn't drop him, but I remember having like a lot of moments where I was like, gosh, do I have to drop Miles Sanders right now? I mean, you're playing in way different leagues than me then. I mean, that's just like there's there was no point where I ever thought of dropping Miles Sanders. I wrote him up as a, the best trade candidate in stealing signals after I think the Dude, second or third week. You got week. lucky. If Jordan no, Howard did Jordan Howard he had the yeah. perfect workload if with Jordan the Howard didn't work, get hurt, it never would have happened. 
That's why you target him. I also wrote up Royce Freeman for the same reason. Philip Lindsay never got hurt. Royce Freeman's great receiving role didn't expand to a full-time role. It did expand from Miles Sanders. That's how you identify running back upside. Yeah, but you can't just bank on injuries. That's not a that's not a worthwhile strategy. You can't but. only okay, but I will say in in kind, you can't only define running back success as 16 game seasons when like fantasy football is littered with examples of oh, yeah. guys who broke out late in the year. Oh, I, agree. I, I, just, I, say... I, don't, I don't hold on. Last point. I agree with that, Ben. I just personally, if, if I feel like I'm only drafting this guy so he can be great for me late in the year, that to me is not a top 60 pick, not also, a guy taking the first five rounds. If you won in the first round of your playoffs with Miles Sanders, you got lucky because he had like 60 yards and no scores. So like he did help a lot if you were able to get. I, to I don't the know. I, mean, I, I, I don't. I don't think. Me personally, I wouldn't qualify three of those guys as being bad. They may not have been Barkley or Zeke, but I. I mean, Jacobs. I think oh, delivered. No. They weren't bad at all. I was just saying it. it you just compar- said last year was a bad year no, for rookie by, running back. By comp- sorry, by comparison to Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, these guys who yeah, finished top five. Yeah, they may not have five. been a lead singer of this group. But there was certainly a good group. <laughs> oh, it was. No, no, no. I'm just saying they didn't finish as high as we had seen in, I think, three straight years where we had a top five rookie running back. Um, they didn't finish top 12. But they were good, for sure. Jacob's more consistent. Sanders with that big burst at the end. And we love both of them this year. But just in terms of fantasy production, um, it didn't really happen the same way as we had seen in previous seasons. Well, Adam, do you have the uh, ADP from last year in front of you or handy? Uh, I can get it, yeah. Give me like a, where give they me were a... drafted, like just just to make any correlation. Like I think Edward Solaire is going to go sooner than any of those guys went last year. Maybe Jacobs crept into the back end of the second round. Oh no, but... I I would almost guarantee that you're right that it's going to be um that's going to be what? earlier that he's these guys are being drafted earlier than those guys were. I think it's what, yeah. yeah, I agree with that too. I'm trying and to look guys... something up and talk. Sorry, <laughs> but the year the year before that, you definitely had um. Fournette and McCaffrey going in the Edwards Hilaire range, I think, or maybe not McCaffrey quite. And then definitely the year before that is what is are we getting back to Zeke year or Saquon and Zeke Zeke's years? They were first round picks. And they were oh, yeah. successful first round picks. Okay, so let's take a look at 2019 half PPR ADPs according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Josh Jacobs. Okay, I'm still on 2020. So we're gonna toggle over to 2019. All right, Josh Jacobs checks in at 32nd overall, round three. Miles Sanders, yeah, round five, which surprises me. I thought he was more like a round seven pick. I think he was in our drafts. Um, Montgomery? Montgomery, round three. Wow. He was ahead of Jacobs, according to this. I don't remember that being the case. Um, And then Singletary? Terry. He was like a ninth rounder or something. Round seven. Well, last pick of round seven. Tied with Wolf. I, mean, I, I just think Montgomery's the only bust of that group. Yeah, he's the only one I would call a bust. And he was still a 250 carry back. <laughs> you know, like he just wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, okay, but what's unique, let's go through the situations here. Montgomery, did he really have to fight anybody off? No. Mike Davis. Singletary should have beaten Frank Gore. Shingletary had bad competition. We thought Miles Sanders had, I thought Miles Sanders had bad competition. Jordan Howard's not bad. He's fine. Um, and who was the other? Josh Jacobs had no competition. That's what's so interesting about this year. We kind of knew it going in. 
there weren't that many landing spots. I think I remember, Jamie, you saying that the Dolphins were the one spot where somebody could get drafted. Tampa Bay, I thought, too. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's there's better. I feel like there's better competition for the rookies this year than there was last year. And they didn't get OTAs or rookie camp. True. Guys, let me, yeah. let me read some that's, emails. Uh, that's go ahead, true ben. and fair and, and all well and good. I agree with that. But that doesn't – you can go back further. I just want to bring up you, – you didn't mention Dalvin Cook. He started as the lead back the same offseason. They had brought in Latavius Murray. There was uncertainty there. He was a second-round pick. Alvin Kamara is a guy who was a third-round pick and joined in a, a backfield that had Ingram and Adrian Peterson. The cream rises to the top in some of these backfields. When you, when you look further back, those guys – just were better players. Like I think Jonathan Taylor, I've said this, it's just going to be so much better than Marlon Mack that it's going to be evident and he's going to earn more work because of it. And I don't think that's a, I think there's enough evidence in, in recent history that rookie running backs can do that in year one. I'm curious. I know we talk about um, the rookies coming in and knowing things because of the lack of an off season. I wonder how many veteran guys are going to come in out of shape. Yeah, very possible. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could give you the history of the last five years of running backs and the work they've gotten based on the round they were drafted in. I don't think it's that interesting, uh, but you know, say the words and I'm happy to. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, here we go. Over the last five seasons, round two running backs, TJ Yeldon and Dalvin cook were the only round two running backs who got big work right out of the gate. Joe Mixon had to wait until round three or week three, week three, round three running backs. Um, 16 running backs have been drafted in round three in the last five years, obviously not including 20, uh, 2020. David Johnson, Alvin Kamara, and Kareem Hunt were top eight as rookies. They were the only ones who were top 20. But but two of those three, though they were top eight as rookies, two of those three you could have gotten for pennies on the dollar a month into the season. Who, Kamara and Hunt? Oh, no, Johnson. Johnson. Johnson yes. and Kamara, yep. And um, Hunt benefited from Spencer Ware tearing his ACL in the preseason. So I actually th- was a little discouraged by what rookie running backs had done, at least in terms of getting work at, out of the uh, gate. Non-first rounders. Non-first rounders. First rounders are have like a green light. Of course, we haven't seen somebody drafted with the last pick of the first round. But yeah, green first first rounders usually... I, I got to disagree with that pennies on the dollar comment. The, again, I don't know what leagues we're talking about. There's certainly leagues where you can make those types of trades, but like... I remember the year that Nick Chubb broke out, and I remember people being like, how was he not dropped yet? Nick Chubb was like a seventh or an eighth round pick that year, until, and he wasn't getting a lot of work until Carlos Hyde was traded. But anyone who used a seventh or an eighth round pick on that player or used a, a tenth round pick on Alvin Kamara the year that he broke out and saw anything positive out of him in the first couple of weeks, and Kamara was catching passes early in his uh, rookie season, he's another guy that in stealing signals I called uh, I, the biggest trade candidate of the week for one of these early weeks, and he went on to be an awesome player his rookie season because you can identify this stuff from their pass catching role. I don't who's dro- who's drafting a guy like that you can't in the middle it. round and then cutting them. You can't make that case about Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb had three carries per game and no catches before the Cardinals. No, 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 no. Trade. Chubb wasn't that guy. Camaro okay. was that guy. But well, Chubb was I, Chubb was the example. Was I remember people saying that I distinctly remember like how did no one drop this guy? And my point was he had a single digit round ADP. People drafting him were drafting him for the possibility that Carlos Hyde either got hurt or got moved because they saw late season upside. They weren't cutting him a month into the season because he wasn't I, getting touches. What, His value didn't suddenly disappear. People, you can't the just, only reason it, people may have been cutting him, and I'm I agree with you 100%. Ben is you're you have a five man bench, and you suffered 
injuries at receiver or quarterback, sure. and you're just completely stuck and the guy's not doing anything and you're making a panic move uh, instead of maybe trying to trade him or, you know, you may not have trades. Like it, there, there, there are a number of circumstances, but you shouldn't give up on players that have good college backgrounds and good prospect potential. Or you shouldn't a- draft them if you're not going to sit them out. Right. But like, my point is I don't think their draft or their trade value sinks because they're not being used early. The people drafting these people, well, but- I, I would hope, when you look at ownership, you will see that in a third of our leagues on our website, these players are going to get. So I know like in our leagues, you're right. And when you're playing with sharp players, these things don't happen. But 95% of the leagues in the universe are not like our leagues. Yeah, but uh, but also like I don't I mean, you know, I love you, Ben, but I don't really agree with I don't really agree with the premise of just holding a guy and waiting for injury or drafting a guy waiting for injury. You could really get burned by the injury not happening or the injury being two games and not a season ender, you know? So I think that Nick Chubb was a completely useless player for six weeks. And anyone who dropped him would have been completely justified. Well, I then think, you shouldn't have drafted him well, because that team he, still had Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. But you didn't know he was. You didn't know he was going to get three carries. You probably thought he was going to get more than that. And if if I take Keyshawn, I think Vaughn, the game he had against the Raiders was like three for hundred something and touchdowns. yeah, three hundred <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah, he had one big game, three hundred five yards and two touchdowns. Um, but let's say this is Keyshawn Vaughn territory, right? If you draft Keyshawn Vaughn and he has three carries per game and no catches in the first six weeks, drop him. Drop them. Like, that's fine. You don't have to, but I'm not going to criticize you. I don't necessarily even disagree with that because Keyshawn Vaughn isn't the type of player of Dick Chubb, in my opinion. If he's not getting work, then... This is Cam Makers. This is... Yeah. With J.K. Dobbins. But what if rep- you're drafting J.K. Dobbins this year, you're not cutting him a month into the season if Mark Ingram's getting the work. You're waiting for Mark Ingram to potentially get banged what about, up. What about two months? Well, I mean, that's the thing. It depends how deep your league is, but don't draft him if you're in a format where you have to cut him within the first six weeks. I right. mean, two You'd months is maybe the point. Is Murray in that range because you just want somebody's going to get work. Yeah. yeah but then the question is, like, if you're willing to wait it out with a guy and accept basically you're going to bench him every week, you're never going to start him, you're just waiting for the payoff, what round is the earliest round you would take a player like that? Depends on your conviction on somebody. You know, so I think it's... I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is not a bad example. A lot of leagues where I'm taking him, I'm taking like Tariq Cohen later. And if the preseason doesn't go the way I hope for Jonathan Taylor, I might start Tariq Cohen in week one over him because I might not know how much, how many touches he's going to get from week one. Then you on. took, then you basically took Tariq Cohen in the third round. That's essentially then, what you're no, doing. That's not how it works. <laughs> that is how that's, it works. Your third round pick <laughs> is useless. And so you're starting to read Cohen not over him. Useless. You're paying for upside. That's but you're how paying you for a useless you, player with upside. You but Adam, it goes back to something I told you years ago. You draft to win championships, not to win, not to just make the playoffs. Hey, you know, you know right? I, I, but the thing is, like, I, if I want to take a shot on a guy with big upside, I don't want to do it in the third round. You like, can't well, do mean, it in the tenth, and you cannot take no, a player I think with Jonathan Taylor's I think the upside. seventh round is is where I'm usually looking for ben, a guy that's ben not going to contribute. That Taylor is going to walk into the Colts facility when they are allowed to go in there, and he's going to push Marlon Mack off the field completely. And yeah, I get, I get that. I get that. And but if you I think, think, I think th- these players are more like. Uh, Josh Kelly, Darrington Evans, Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds. Like, you're not drafting these guys with the hope of playing them week one. Of course. You're, you're drafting these guys with the hope of XYZ happens and you have Miles Sanders. You know, I don't know if that's Yeah, the, I know, the but right Jamie, you're not taking those guys that. until the late rounds. That's my point. Uh, yes, I mean, you'd prefer to do that. But I, I think, like, 
for me, Akers is 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 that type of player. Like, I'm not going to get frustrated with Cam Akers if I take him in the fifth round and cut him a month into the season if Daryl Henderson's better or Malcolm Brown's better. To I'm go back to, yeah, and I I sparked all this with the pennies on the dollar thing that Ben really didn't like. <laughs> what I will say is, if your someone in your league uses a fourth or third round pick on Jonathan Taylor and a fifth round pick on DeAndre Swift. And a month into the season, or either of those things, that team's sitting at one and three, and that running back is getting five to ten carries per game, then you can absolutely trade someone you drafted much later than where they were drafted to get them. Yeah, I would I wouldn't draft two of those guys in the first five rounds, like you just described. That'd be silly. Okay. All right. Well, I think <laughs> we, that, could, we could all agree on that. Because- I think because because Ben, I think we're I don't know I don't think Heath is and I don't know about you Adam but Dave is going to take DeAndre Swift probably in the round five range because he likes him a lot. For me, it'd probably be Acres, and for for Ben, it's pretty clear by the time we get to you know August, he's drafting John Taylor in the first round. Um, but you know, aside from Edward Teller, because you know I think he kind of I think if, I've kind of dropped him a little bit toward the back end of round two, and I'd, I'd feel the most comfortable with him in round three, um, but. I, I think, you know, you, you just look at to kind of tie it all in. You look at the, the situations that these guys are in, and if you feel confident that these younger players that the team's targeted in the NFL draft are going to be the best of that group, uh, Zach Moss, throw him in there, Keyshawn Vaughn, throw him in there too, um, then you should be aggressive in drafting them, but you have to have the right mindset of don't panic if they're not doing what you hope they're doing in the first couple of weeks. And I, I just want to add one one little note to kind of tie in my thoughts was you're not drafting a team. This is at least the way that I approach it. You're not drafting a team so that you can have one set starting lineup that you really like and you start for 16 weeks. Your team is going to live and evolve throughout the season. None of our teams have ever looked the same in the fantasy playoffs as they looked on draft day. You're going to cut players. You're going to add players. Things are going to happen. You want to draft a team that can get better as time goes on and, and help you win a championship at the end of the season. You don't want to draft a team that helps you win week one with a million points because you were so confident in all the week one workloads and then is like falling apart by mid-season. I mean, yeah, you have I to agree. understand that. I agree. But, but okay, I just think that like it is crazy to take Jonathan Taylor earlier this year then people were taking Josh Jacobs last year because Josh Jacobs was walking into a starting job. And I think that, you know, I'm just not willing, Ben, I'm not willing to get off to a slow start because I passed up awesome stud contributors in round three or round four for a guy that I have to wait half a season on. Like I get the point of, of drafting a guy, stashing him, waiting for the payoff. I think it's happening earlier this year in drafts than it has in previous years. And I'm, I'm surprised that these rookie running backs, it's like people are just assuming they're going to walk in and win the job. I'm surprised it's happening as, as early in drafts as it is. Well, I, to, to that point, Adam, I think it's kind of why we're seeing so many running backs in the first two rounds or, or people leaning that way. You know, so uh, I'll go back to uh, our show on Monday with Scott Fish. Think about the, the draft that he had and, and the words that he used. He took Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb with his first two picks, the half PPR three receiver league. And then he took Patrick Mahomes in round three and Mark Andrews in round four. And what did he say to us? Safety. Mm-hmm. He got elite players at two positions, or at least we assume Andrews is going to be elite. Obviously right. Mahomes is. And then two running backs. I think most of us would agree 
whether you, you know, top six, top eight, top 10, top 12. I know Heath, you're a little down on Mixon, but, um, you know, two top 12 running backs that are almost certainly going to go in the first two rounds. Like, that's not a bad build. I don't think any of us would probably do that quarterback tight end that early. No, I, I, but, would, I loved it. I just, okay. I, so, I so always, love I, I love our, I love to start with two running backs. I don't take my third one until like the fifth round at the earliest. That's that, because I, because there is too much of it. Like, the build of, of running back, running back gets you out of this mess. If exactly. you hit on those, those two guys, you don't have to. And I know Ben's going to be aggressive with Taylor, but you don't have to take Taylor in the third or fourth or acres in the fifth or Swift in the fifth or sixth. It gets you out of that if you don't want to, or now you have the security of like Ben was saying, your team at the start of the year is not going to be your team at the end of the year. But if you have one of these guys, you can just kind of wait on without having to play them and not have to worry about Tariq Cohen. You know, you have those two guys. You don't have to put, you know, no offense, Tariq, but you don't have to put in, you know, that that third or fourth running back that you're taking that you don't love, but you're forced to play because the high upside player isn't doing what you hope to do. This, this is a brilliant idea. I don't think anybody's like put a name on it yet, Jamie, but I, this taking two running backs early and then no more until like the seventh or eighth round. I think you'd call that area like in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, something <laughs> like a running back dead zone. I love it. I'm going to call that's the new Acer strategy. Just avoiding the running backs. Okay. All right, guys, let's wrap it up here. Thank you. That was a fun uh, discussion. We'll read your emails on Wednesday show. I promise fantasy football at CBSI.com. Don't forget about Twitch tonight, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern twitch.com slash FF today. Become a subscriber, get a chance to join a league play with us and you don't have to subscribe you can watch on twitch for free as well and you can ask us questions during our stream 7 p.m eastern for ben for jamie for heath i'm adam talk to you on wednesday's show